Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone who exists, welcome back. We are here again on the island. Survivor is alive and well. Well, how well is it? We don't know yet. We can discuss. We can watch as things unfold here in season 38, Survivor Edge of Extinction. This is On the Island. I'm Taylor Gaines. This is the podcast where we talk about Survivor. We talk to survivors. We talk to survivors about Survivor. I said that last week and I liked it. (laughs) I said it on accident, but I might use it. What do you think? I like that. I think that's a solid intro for who we are. Yeah. A neat little overview. Well, I said who I am. So let me say who you are. You, my co-hosting friend, peed in the bushes of Central Park once. It's Tyler B. Commons. I respect that. I hear what you're saying. This whole thing's about growing. I really had no idea he felt that way. That was me quoting Reem. <laughs> Who felt that way? Reem felt that way. It was, it was the long discussion that I'm sure we're going to get to, but uh, Tribal was fire. For now, just throw out random quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Tribal we'll was fire. It. it was fun. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of this first episode back? How'd you feel? Uh, gosh, I was super excited. I am super excited. Like, the season's just beginning. It, it was a lot of fun in some aspects. Other aspects, I was like, come on, come on, Survivor. You're better than this. You can do better than this. But for the most part, positive feelings looking forward. Yeah, we can get into it all. Requisite spoiler warning, obviously. I will hold off on discussing Extinction Island just for now because I think it's probably the most interesting aspect of the episode, but... We'll, we'll we'll run through some of the early stuff here just to get a sense of our bearings and where we're at as we head into this brand new season of Survivor. We'll talk about the person who got voted out, some of the insights into this first episode thanks to the reporters that were on the scene here for the first three days. But Ty, let's start with the opening because I was pretty disappointed. I feel like usually Jeff is like in a helicopter or on a mountain which I guess he sort of was, but like, he was like, let's start, Survivor. And they zoomed out and it just looked like he was standing inside some trees. And then they zoomed out a little (laughs) more and he was just inside some more trees. And they had to zoom out a really long way for you to realize he was on top of an island. And I I just, it was anticlimactic. Yeah, it wasn't the best uh, opening that we've gotten. But to be fair, he wanted to, I guess, show off Extinction Island. So what better way than to start the season standing in the middle of it in terms of openings what did you make of the grand marooning as we opened with 14 new players just openly applauding for other people which is a strange (laughs) experience and then got diving right into the game literally yeah it was uh, it was interesting to see them react to the returning players like keeping them segregated and then having the four like show up and be like here's our all-star cast and the rest of you are just people it's just funny to me i mean we talk about survivor for this podcast obviously but i don't know that i consider these people like celebrities and they framed it in a way where it's like these are celebrities. Can you believe you get to play with them? <laughs> and to me, it just is like, it's just some guys and girls. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. But I think, I think for the fans, like if I ever got picked for the show, 
CBS, I'm still here waiting. Um, I mean, they put that me would be the this... first true celebrity they had on the show, really. <laughs> really, honestly. No, but if they put me on with, I don't know, someone who I was a big fan of. Uh, I mean, he's too old at this point, but like Rupert. If they put me on with Rupert back in the day, I'd be like, oh, the fun-loving, tie-dye, tank-top-wearing, bearded gentleman. That would be awesome for me. I guess I just felt like bogged down by the opening. Maybe it's because we spend too much time inside of the prep for this show. Like I felt like they (laughs) spent five minutes talking about who the returners were and what they meant. And I'm like, come on, we know this. But I guess I just have to remind myself that some people are literally tuning in for the first time in two and a half months and just getting introduced to the world. Yeah, that's true. We got to keep that perspective because we do a lot more research uh, checking out. Sorry, Carl, I use perspective again. Or perception. I can't ever keep it straight which one you're not using. But Just be safe and don't use either. <laughs> okay, that's just the uh, angle of view that we have. Speaking of prep, though, I felt like despite all the prep we did, a lot of things happened in this episode with character reveals that I just didn't know about. Like Wendy with her Tourette's and... Keith? Keith with not being able to swim there were just things like I felt like in all the prep that we had I didn't have a good sense of some of these things that were kind of dropped on us in this opening episode yeah and I wonder if that kind of ties into CBS giving the storytelling kind of more freedom because we hinted at it last week and we talked about it a lot last week there really wasn't as much preseason info as you've had in the past so I mean especially about the theme which we'll get to yeah, especially about the theme, but even about the cast. I mean, I was part of my excitement was I felt like my predictions last week like came true, so I was really excited for that because a lot right, of the people time. just kind Remind of played the, the role that we saw. I just I just wanted to say um, not super high on the person that went home. I don't. I mean, not spoilers yet. I don't want to spoil it. No, I already I said mentioned spoiler it. warning. It's fine. Okay, Reem went home and I was worried about Reem and it was for all the reasons. Ah, Ty, but Reem did not go home, but we'll get to that. (laughs) You're right, we will get to that. But Tribe Dynamics, we talked about it. We said, I think the the blue team, uh, Kama, I believe they are, Manu? Dang it, which one were they? Who cares? They were Manu, (laughs) they were Manu, I believe. Okay, to be clear, which one is Manu? Manu is blue. Kama is orange. Got it. I'm sad because Manu Ginobili retired, therefore I am blue. Uh, Kama is orange. Good way to... I I got nothing for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing Manu kind of struggle as a tribe, I think we kind of mentioned that last week towards the end of our podcast. We were like, it just seems like Kama has a better overall structure of people that are there to play Survivor. And, and Manu kind of looked like they would struggle, and that's what it felt like. I don't, what did you think about that? That's true, but also to the extent that Joe basically won the challenge by himself. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of that, and we've definitely seen it before. But, yeah, it's definitely more of a disparate group on the Blue Tribe with Manu. <laughs> and they, they struggled not only in the challenge, but to like come together as a group of people in the way that the show was edited. Like we're going to talk about this, but it was hard to watch the black guy, the blue haired girl and the old lady immediately get ostracized. (laughs) And one of them voted out instantly. Yeah. That, uh, 
that's why I want to say Survivor was at its worst this week because it's at its worst when people are being, you know, put in these boxes. And, and trust me, I do it all the time. I talked about, I think the moms are going to struggle. This game doesn't cater well for them. Again, I'm putting them in a box describing it that way. But yeah, it's, it's just like, do you want Survivor to be a like Black Mirror like reflection of our society or do you want it to be aspirational? And I don't know that there's a right answer to that. And I don't know that we're even criticizing the specific makeup of this season as much as like, it's just hard to look back over the years. There's even like statistical research showing like if you're a person of color, you're like twice more likely to get voted out first. And uh, it's, it's hard. I don't know. I don't know exactly what to do with it, but it's, like I said, as a reflection of society, it's definitely something just worth reflecting on and, and thinking about. Yeah, but I will say one thing that I think that uh, the episode did well is it painted those three we just talked about, sorry, Reem, Wendy, and Keith, Keith. as people who were f- like for each other, if that makes sense, because Keith, when he immediately dies off the boat, it's very apparent he doesn't know how to swim. And they're set apart because Wendy and Reem are nice and, like, teach Keith how to swim. And everyone's like, oh, you see those three over there? Looks like they made an alliance. Let's get rid of them. And it's like, no, they're just being nice to each other. Yeah, and we can talk about Reem however you want. But I I thought it was interesting watching Keith try to form an alliance with her because he comes in and is like, you kind of remind me of my mom. She's like, don't you dare call me a mom, you stupid child. And then... (laughs) And then he's like, oh, sorry, I, it's just that I, I I really like you is all. And she's like, stop being so soft, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, as much as we can talk about her being an older character or a mom type character and that being damaging to her, she also was bad at strategy and the social game. Yeah, she isolated a lot of people and... She did it through her action. I mean, if you watch the tribal, this idea of her kept her keeping on with moving people's stuff around and not knowing them, not knowing where it is. And like, again, she tried to do that with a kindness of intentions. But as soon as it was brought up, she didn't back down. She was just like, well, I just really wanted your clothes to dry. And I thought it would be better this way. I would lose my mind. It's like, okay, chill. We're just trying to talk to you. And then, you know, three or four minutes into the travel council edit, we're like, all right, you got to cool your jets a little bit. You are just digging a grave. Yeah. From what I was reading from the reporters who were on the scene, like Dalton Ross from Entertainment Weekly or... Josh Wiggler from The Hollywood Reporter. Tribal went south pretty much immediately for her. From what, I, from what I read, it said moments into Tribal, Prost was like, you seem annoyed already. And she was like, I am annoyed, 100%. I'm anno- you say I'm annoyed? I'm annoyed. I'm just in general annoyed. And <laughs> uh, they both talked about this idea that there aren't a lot of Tribals where it was as clear as it was as to who was going home as early in tribal as it was and to the benefit of the twist actually that worked in this particular instance like knowing that she wasn't going to necessarily have to go home made the foregone conclusion of this conclusionness of it a bit more interesting but uh, obviously you don't hope for that every week 
Yeah, it's it's never fun when someone is so on the chopping block. And we praised Survivor last year for creatively giving us a story. And I think they tried their best, but it just didn't sound like there was any way to spin it that someone else was in danger of going home. And that that really stunk, I think, for the opening well, moments. Let's talk about that and the way that they framed the story because I felt like from the opening all the way through Tribal, they had lost this interesting touch that came in last season's edit, which was surprising and sort of upsetting the norms of how they edited the show and how characters functioned. And it felt like, to what we were talking about a minute ago, they went all the way back into like, this is the annoying person. This is the weird, uncomfortably unsocial person. This is the cool guy. And it just felt like they had reverted to seasons of old. And throughout the episode, it just became clear, like you said, it was the worst of Survivor ostracizing certain people. Mm-hmm. And the challenge wasn't really that close even though it was an interesting challenge to watch because it had so many factors (laughs) and kelly fell very hard off of that balance beam but all the way through tribal it was just like very clear who was going home even though it was less clear why she deserved it so quickly and then it just became a tale of further (laughs) downfall in the tribal itself because she basically just lit herself on fire after a certain point but that being said i felt like and we we can save this if you want but it got much more interesting once she walked out of that tribal council yeah i mean the exciting part is definitely we still don't fully know or understand extinction island or the edge of extinction whatever you want to call it so there is there's mystery coming back and i think jeff even said that in a preseason episode he's like no we've tried to give the editors more options and you know maybe this will be like a murder mystery type feel and that's that's definitely how the episode ended so it ended on like a fun up note i mean it just felt very dramatic and cinematic the way that it concluded because we went from this sort of obvious ending to man, I hope it rains on them. And then (laughs) it becomes obvious very quickly that the rain is going to be on her in the worst way very soon. And she goes down the path and says, do you want to keep playing or not? And obviously she says yes. They put her on this dark boat. The music gets all dramatic. They're cutting in ways where you can just sort of see little light and glimpses of her face. You see her foot step out of the boat. She's steps into the pouring rain with like a torch basically and it just became really cool and exciting at the end and i got very invested in what was going on in a way that i didn't the rest of the episode yeah i i want to see how it plays out i want to see whoever goes home next week also take that option um and it'd be even better if they're on the comma tribe and you know crazy dynamics happen where it's like oh well now i'm meeting someone new but just having this whole mystery of a a new twist in the game that we have no idea i think we know it has something to do with the merge you have an opportunity and final tribal or something or something near like the end. that you have another opportunity and i i want to know 
what they're going to do. I don't want it to be like a ghost island type thing where it's just kind of hovering there in the background and they have to show you like a three minute clip. I want it to also be part of the show. You know, if they dedicate 10% of an episode to it in a good way, I think that could make this season just awesome seeing how people respond if they don't just kind of walk away. I was surprised how much I enjoyed not knowing about it once it once we got to see it in this episode and it gave me this instinct of like maybe you drag out letting people in on it as long as possible because it's much more interesting as a mystery <laughs> and as this place where people go where they're they have no idea how they're staying in the game they just know that they are and Maybe it will be that. Maybe they won't really be told what to do. They'll just be out there surviving with no guidelines. <laughs> and I think that would be fascinating. The The real question for me is like, does anyone actually say no to this? I almost feel like you become framed as just a huge quitter <laughs> if you <laughs> get to go out on Survivor and have this chance and then turn it down. And I, I just have a hard time envisioning someone saying no yeah i think that's fair i mean it's episode one so we didn't actually get to learn a whole lot about a whole lot of people um because it what it felt short the episode felt very short yeah last season was a 90 minute premiere and this one was only 60 and obviously in real time that's like 42 minutes versus an hour and nine or something Mm -hmm. and i think that made it tough but so far, my initial impression is everybody's going to continue on. And I just want to see what happens when the island gets crowded. Do they have to, like, build their own shelter? Do they have God, to I really like, hope I... it becomes a Lord of the Flies type scenario where people are just intentionally trying to get other people to quit and creating these insane squabbles so that they can be the only one left on Extinction Island. Can you imagine how entertaining that would be? I, I did learn there's a little white flag there that if you do want to quit at any point, you just raise it. Yeah, I think I would be hard-pressed to imagine somebody raising the white flag, but who knows? I mean, Joe might get there and just decide to go Rambo and take everybody out. It looked pretty damn miserable. I mean, she's out there in the rain with no cover, it seemed. Mm -hmm. And it will certainly test people, and that's about all I know for sure so far. I think the other question about it is, do you feel like it's just a ploy to keep the returners on the season as long as possible? That's a very interesting discussion because, and this might be lost on everybody, but I used to watch um, The Ultimate Fighter and one year they had, oh gosh, it was like this street boxer who came on and everyone was like super excited and he got his butt kicked in the first fight and literally every preview of the next episode was like, oh, is this where he's going to come back? Is this where he's going to make his return? And for an entire season, he never came back. It just started, it just kept talking about how he's going to come back. And I really hope that CBS does not do that same thing because that would be a huge disappointment if Joe or Wentworth or Aubrey or David goes and then the rest of the season is kind of just overshadowed by these um, Goliath mon- monumental figures just overshadowing the gameplay of the rest of these kind of new players carving out their own story. It's interesting to me though. I I feel like one of the possible benefits of a place like this where no one might leave 
we will get to know everyone very well, I think. And that's hopefully a positive because obviously something we talk about all the time is like, this person didn't get an interesting edit. This person was boring. This person got voted out before we got to know them. And my hope is given the extremes of it and the length of it, we will really get to know everyone. Yeah, that would be another opportunity to get to know who all these people are. Um, and just to clear up my name, the boxers guy was Kimbo Slice. If any of you oh, know that that's name. A very, I was going to say it's a very famous name, but maybe it's just a very famous name to people who went to high school from the years of 2008 to 2012. Yeah, he, he had a run of being famous for a while, but I think he's uh, waned into obscurity yeah kimbo slice unfortunately not a member of this survivor cast but with the people we have i was gonna say the people we have left but the people that are still in the main action here as we look toward the manu tribe and the way this vote went down four for reem three for wendy and then wendy and reem voted for lauren and Kelly Wentworth, respectively, and they somehow both spelt those names wrong. Lauren with an I and Kelly minus the E. Uh, if you're wondering, the I went instead of the E, because I'm sure you were like, where did she even put an I? <laughs> but did anyone stand out to you on this tribe, even though we didn't get a strong look at anyone in particular? This is the thing that I think this episode did really well, is it grouped Wendy and Keith and Reem together, but at the same time, it very much painted Wendy and Keith as likable people. So I hope now that Reem is gone, they get their chance at joining into the group and being a part of things. I hope this isn't just like, okay, well, let's just get rid of them because they were on the outside at the start. Yeah, I thought Keith made a nice play of like realizing that Reem was trying to bully someone into a vote and just bailing. He was like, it's too early in the game for me to get hooked onto this anchor and I'm just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. That being said, I think the name on that tribe that stuck out to me as maybe the best player, and this is surprising, is Dan De Silva. I thought he had a really good episode where he I'm tried sorry, to who? beat... I'm uh, uh, sorry, the war dog. Thank you. Where um, <laughs> he actually tried to mediate conversation and he tried to talk to people and he went over and he talked to Wendy and he talked to Keith I think and the way he's handling and people I think people are kind of looking to him as lead and he doesn't have a target like Wentworth has and he doesn't have a target like David has I feel like I didn't have a good read on him he's like Tom Hardy in (laughs) most Tom Hardy movies He's just kind of this handsome dude standing in the background, leaning on a tree, not saying anything. And then two people will talk for a while. And then the, and then Wendy walks away and then he's like, I got an idea. And I just like was so fascinated by him. He was so interesting to watch for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it necessarily made sense to all of a sudden target Wendy, who proved instantly that she'll be incredibly loyal. Oh, but... That being said, I think he's definitely one of the people to watch on this tribe. I think Devin's stood out to me as like a loud person. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a power player, but he's definitely going to make noise. And 
Wentworth obviously staked a claim as a returner who knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, and, and those are expected. But I do want to touch on Wendy's loyalty. She, when she was talking to the war dog, <clears throat> Dan De Silva, she actually talked about, okay, I understand this vote's not going to go my way, but I'm not going to just completely turn on Reem. I need you to know that. And I think that actually could be flipped to be a positive trait for Wendy is if she gets in an alliance, they know that she has their back through thick and thin. And I think that's actually really a strong move. That's why I was a little surprised that War Dog was like, all right, maybe we should just vote Wendy out because why not flip her in that moment and be like, you do you, but work with us from now on. And then you know that she'll never turn on you, you know? Like it yeah. seemed like an apt like opportunity to just lock her in. And that's my only concern, I guess, about War Dog just in that moment. But the other person I wanted to mention just because I made her my winner pick and uh, went on about her in our preview episode was Lauren because she's in an interesting spot that could be a great spot or it could be the worst spot and we don't know yet. And that is right at the side of Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I like Kelly, what we saw in this episode and I'm optimistic that they might keep her around for a little while despite the preview for next week. That being said, I don't quite know yet if that's good for Lauren specifically, but there there still is just a lot to learn about a lot of people. Like at one point, somebody talked during tribal council and I was like, honestly, who is that? And <laughs> I, I haven't figured it out yet. It was like a guy with a flower pocket on his shirt. I couldn't tell you. I, I can't remember. Was it Chris or was it Eric? One, one of those Boy. two. Boy. Thank you for those evocative names. Now I can figure it out. (laughs) One of those two guys. Um, But yeah, talking about Lauren, uh, she actually, I talked last week about how I thought she was going to be kind of just a naive college girl. And I think that she actually does have a lot more substance to her character. I told you that from listening to her talk. I warned you. (laughs) Well, yeah, I didn't get to listen to it. Okay. Don't tell these people that I don't prepare as well as you. Um, (laughs) And she did really well, and I, I'm i actually excited to see how she does moving forward because she did have, I think, a really good episode. And being hitched with Kelly, who seems like she's kind of running the tribe, I think is a great place to be in. It's always good to have a shield, and I think if she can keep Kelly as the shield, I think that'll be good. I do think it seems like the returners are going to be targeted more blatantly than in previous seasons and mm-hmm. i was reading some statistics today about how in every single returner season one of them has made it to the final tribal so hopefully people will be a bit more cognizant of that and kind of go after them that being said the one person who seemed to slip under the radar out of the returners in this episode was our man david i felt like he just scooted right along without anyone thinking twice about it and he could be really dangerous despite being still horribly terrified of any loud noises yeah actually i was i was very uh happy to see david he had his little scene where he's like loud noises scared me i remember them chopping wood the first time i was out here and i was like terrified and then it immediately shows him like holding a huge piece of bamboo and i think david had a lot of growth and hollywood reporter had a really good article where they kind of go through the entire tribal council and 
they kept kind of harking back to David being quiet, but when he was called on, he said all the right things. He was very tactful, and he was very um, well-spoken, and he wasn't throwing Reem under a bus, even though it was very obvious that she was going home, or, sorry, or that she was going to an island for some reason. And well, David didn't have which a no big... one knows. By the way, we should point out everyone thinks that when they vote someone out, they're gone. That is true. All the castaways do not know that there's option number two. But I think David not getting a lot of airtime and flying under the radar as kind of the fourth returner actually bodes well for his chances because then yeah. it gives him a chance to meet people and talk to people and maybe be that David that everybody fell in love with last time he was out there. No offense, but screw that tribe. To quote Reem. <laughs> Let's talk about the other tribe. By the way, I, I forgot to mention this, but I quite enjoyed as they were doing that dramatic scene of her going out to Extinction Island. They uh, put her in the boat and then they cut to a shot of the moon. <laughs> and just in my head, I was like, she's going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, film. Anyway, so the other tribe, comma, I feel like we didn't quite get as much interesting insight into just because they won. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed Victoria Ba'amande talking about (laughs) how she asked Santa for a survivor buff when she was eight years old, but then was left cruelly on the edge of my seat as we never found out whether Santa got her that survivor buff. (laughs) Cruel editing there. But really, the only thing that stood out to me for real was... Joe is still really dangerous, but I think everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Aubrey might get screwed again. <laughs> Aubrey's been screwed in such interesting ways where she deserved to win and didn't. Got targeted by the queen of everything, Sandra, in her second season, and that was basically it. And now she <laughs> might just get targeted right away again. That being said, um, the only new person who stood out was... Ron Clark, and that's because he found this fancy new advantage, Ty. Ron Clark of the Ron Clark Academy and the movie Ron Clark, a Ron Clark story. Starring um, Matthew Perry. <laughs> Starring Matthew Perry. Uh, yeah, he he was interesting to me. I, I'm i curious to see how his game unfolds, especially with this new He's advantage got style, where he, sure. has, he does those white pants with some design on them i couldn't quite make out what and like it was some kind of scarf going on <laughs> um this new advantage is kind of a cool one because you have to use it in the first three i'm gonna say weeks even though for them it's nine days you got to use it early and you can steal a reward which i think is major brownie points for your tribe you can have an idol i believe you can use it as an idol yeah you can steal a reward use it as an idol or uh get an extra vote yeah, and I all three of those are powerful. If they keep winning, I think Steal a Reward is definitely the strongest move he can make in order to solidify himself. You know, if the other team somehow pulls out a reward victory and Ron is like, uh, actually, I'm going to steal their blankets and chairs or something, everyone's going <laughs> to be like, yeah, Ron, let's keep him around, you know? And I, he seems interesting, but it's like we said, it was a shorter episode, and it's hard for me to make super strong judgment calls on any of the people on the Kama tribe because they didn't focus on them because they weren't the ones that went to tribal. Yeah, I think maybe Splinter Julie was something that briefly stood out, which is someone <laughs> you expressed concern about, and 
other than peeing in Central Park, appeared to display no outdoor survival skills. But I'm sure she'll be fine unless she goes to Extinction Island. Who knows? And another thing that wasn't revealed in all the pregame stuff, not that it's necessarily that important, but Aurora came out and was like, I'm gay and I don't I even like Joe. And I was like, I don't remember hearing that before either. <laughs> but it was just a lot of like random facts that popped up in this episode that we hadn't heard. But uh, yeah, nothing really from that tribe made a huge impact other than <laughs> Gavin saying that if he wins the million dollars, he might buy his town a fourth stoplight. Yeah, that was funny. I think I really like Gavin. I think he's a funny, uh, I'm going to say kid, but he says he doesn't want to be known as a kid, even though he looks like he's 11 years old. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he could be fun to keep around. He did have a couple conversations that we got to see again joe just being a challenge beast like all he had to do was balance and you know what joe did it and (laughs) he rocked it and there's not a whole lot to say about the tribe because we didn't get to figure out who hates who and who loves who and what's going to happen in the future well i guess i can bestow upon you some of the notes i mentioned earlier from our reporters who were live on the scene for these first three days that i found interesting reading this morning this season is going to be tricky because we're used to getting these exit interviews and they're not going to happen i suppose if someone's not actually voted out yeah so i have this crippling fear as just a podcaster now that nine people are going to go out at the same time (laughs) from extinction island and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna die of a panic attack (laughs) so get ready for the episode where that happens but just some things that stood out dalton ross who i mentioned earlier said that during the marooning there was also a tribe reward clue on the boat saying to dive underneath a buoy to retrieve a crate of canned goods you didn't see this on the show because it got cut for time but you get one guess as to who swam out and received this reward uh joe joe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so if you see any canned goods lying around the comma camp, now you know where they came from. As for Keith struggling to swim in that opening, apparently no one noticed at first, and Jeff had to yell at his tribe to go back and help him. You might have noticed Rick getting a Kool-Aid reference in at some point about how he wanted to be like the <laughs> Kool-Aid man and crash through the door and say, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently he really wanted to get that quote on TV because Ross shared a video that he took from the immunity challenge where (laughs) Devin said the same exact line before the immunity challenge, just saying, Oh man, let's get this thing started. I'm going to be like the Kool-Aid man. And it just was like, (laughs) it just made me think that he's like a weird fake person, but (laughs) we'll see what happens with him. He said he was worried about Reem from talking to her in preseason because she kept talking about hating people that are too sensitive He said, this is something I've noticed about people who go on and on about how much they hate folks that are too sensitive. These people tend to be pretty gosh darn sensitive themselves. Reem is brash and speaks her mind, but is not so great when others speak their mind about her. Apparently there was a lot more back and forth between Reem and Kelly in final, not final tribal, but in tribal than we saw. When Reem accused Kelly of saying there was a guy's alliance that needed to be broken up, which Wentworth denied. At one point during the semi-heated back and forth, Devin said, I'm just a bystander in a drive-by. While Reem may have come out of this tribal as the big loser, there is no doubt that Wentworth took a hit with all the attention put on her. Interesting to think about. 
Also worth noting, Big Wendy at one point called out Kelly, Lauren, and Chris as being an alliance, which is interesting because the show showed Kelly and Lauren aligning, but not Chris. A logistical note, he said Tribal Council started at 7.58 p.m. and the voting started at 9.19. There were two breaks to change the tape for filming, and later there was an eight-minute delay during voting when one of the camera lights went dead after Keith cast his vote. During the breaks to change tapes, contestants are on lockdown, meaning they are not allowed to speak to each other. During the first lockdown, Probst encouraged the contestants to work your shit out because clearly there was stuff to work out. <laughs> uh, Ross's favorite moment of Tribal Council was when Probst told Devins that he would call him Rick or he would call him Devins, but he would not call him both. I'm not calling you Rick Devins, he said. <laughs> I don't understand Probst sometimes. He just wants control. He just wants to be the man. Probst didn't offer much insight in his post-game interviews, as per usual, I suppose. He only said that in the coming weeks we will see that Extinction Island will be a demanding existence physically and mentally. Nothing will be easy, and the hope was if people choose to stay there long enough, we may get new layers of emotional truth. He also said in next week's episode, we have idols to look forward to. Have I said how much I love idols, Jeff Jeff said? People are always suggesting we do a season without them. I'm going the other way. I think we need to do a season that features them even more. So, hooray. Mm. <laughs> we just better not have an idol apocalypse when no one's voted out but someone goes home. Yeah, do we really need idols when literally no one gets actually voted out? I mean, come on. The only other interesting quote from Jeff on the theme is he said when you get to this point if we don't use the longevity of the show as a gift to just try things and take big swings then we don't deserve the show i don't want to play it safe every year and do brains versus brawn versus beauty we may do that again if we find a great group of people but this felt really right do things feel really right for you so far ty it did i this was a satisfying episode but i don't think it was a great episode um it was exciting. Survivor's back. We got to meet a new cast, sort of. Um, not as much as I want, which, you know, can be positive, can be negative. Negative is I, I don't know who these people are. Positive, I get to look forward to finding out who these people are. I'm really scared that Jeff is talking about idols. I, I like idols if they're played well and infrequently, but if there's going to be lots of idols found, um, I just pray that we... Uh, reverse the norm and they're found by a bunch of women <laughs> preach <laughs> my summary is that this was a classically average survivor episode with troubling social undertones mm-hmm. <laughs> and an exciting ending so i'm optimistic i think it it was good enough it certainly wasn't bad it was good enough that i'm ready to come back for more and i'm looking forward to seeing this mystery unveiled and i guess relishing the moments we have it as a mystery because God knows I might just hate it once it's not a mystery. <laughs> once the fog lifts from Ghost Island, the fog of made war. on extinction. So, Ty, there's one last thing we always do on this show, and that's a little something called power rankings. Yeah, it is. How do you feel? I know we didn't get a strong read on pretty much anyone, but how do you feel after week one? Do you want to, what order do you want to go in? This is, we can, you can dictate this right now. In episode one, should we start with your number three 
Or should we start with your number one? Let's start with... We did 3-2-1 last year. I feel like that's the most interesting. I feel like that's the best reveal. So let's do that. Let's go 3-2-1. Let's do two, it. One. Number three, I'm going to give it to Joe. Because Joe is clearly in charge of his tribe. And Joe is clearly in charge of challenges. But uh, he hasn't had any strategy he's had to do yet. So we'll see what happens. But right now, if he can keep his tribe away from tribal, I think that's a powerful position. And people are still going to flock to him for as long as they feel comfortable. My number three is David. For all the reasons I said before, I feel great about him as a returner. He went under the radar. He just seems more confident and comfortable having done this before. And... Given the statistics I was reading this morning about how successful returners have been in the past on Survivor, I'm going to give him the number three spot after this week, which I have to say is aided by the fact that I already know him and I didn't get to know a lot of these people very well. Yeah, that is very true. Number two for me, oh gosh, I feel like number two is tough because you know what? I'm doing it wasn't high on her we talked about her a little bit number two lauren she's Mm. hitched a ride with somebody who's pretty powerful right now and i think she did that well so i am curious to see where her game goes from here as a really light spoiler i would say that lauren was probably my number four this week didn't quite make it into my power rankings but obviously i have a predilection 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 however you say it I was predisposed to like her, and we'll see what develops. But my number two is going to be Ron Clark Academy because he looked good. He felt good. He (laughs) said that he was on the best tribe ever, so I got those Brad Culpepper vibes right out of the gate, and he found an advantage, and that's huge. So more power to him, and with little happening in the first week, I give some props to that. So number two spot. For my man, Ron slash Matthew Perry. He was he was up there. He probably fell right at number four for me. Just again, because we didn't see a lot from that tribe. But number one, I don't think there's going to be big shock or awe, but Kelly Wentworth. <gasps> Shocking. Kelly. She crushed this episode. She seems to have emerged as a leader. And even though scenes from the next episode look risky for her, I think she's going to be able to strategize and work her way around it. I hope. Who knows? I could have her number one and she might be gone. Yeah, Ty's really riding the Kelly-Lauren couple bandwagon. For me, your number three is my number one. That's Joe. Because (laughs) the main thing you want in the first episode is to not go to tribal council. Like the easiest way to not be the first one out is to not go to tribal council. And Joe pretty much single-handedly led his team to success in the first challenge and not only that i was impressed by how he fit in i know some people talked about targeting him but there did seem to be this dynamic of like maybe we should keep him around because he knows how to do this Mm -hmm. and we can use him as a shield and who knows how far he can ride along as a shield he's definitely a dangerous player once he gets to any length in the game and i also liked even the small moments of like him speculating on what the theme meant like i think he's someone who is 
more strategic than he gets credit for and also definitely just as physically strong as he does get credit for so it's hard not to be frightened by how dangerous of a player he can be and for me with the added benefit of being someone again that i already knew he's gonna be my number one (laughs) for the end of our first week episode title by the way it smells like success i listened i don't know who that quote came from i don't either but it's a nice quote. I, I'm actually racking my brain now, and I still have no idea who it came from. So if you do know who it came from, let us know. Write to us on Twitter at On the Island Pod, or in one of our nice Apple Podcast reviews where you give us five stars and you say, "Hey, idiots! Here's who said that quote," and we'll we'll be happy about it. Always love when I'm corrected because I like to be right. I don't like to sit in my wrongness. Well, you were right this week. Reem is the first one voted to Extinction Island, he said, learning to adjust his language (laughs) for this strange theme. But for now, I think that's all I got. I mean, do you have anything else you want to get in edgewise here about our first episode of Survivor 38? Just that this uh, episode so far, or episode, this season so far is unknown. There's a giant unknown lurking on the horizon and i'm excited to see how it plays out and i really want to learn more about the comma tribe i want to learn more about these people see what they're like see who i really fall in love with as a character because i don't think it happened in week one so lots to look forward to i'm ready the only thing i want to say before we get out of here is if you're worried about first impressions to the extent that you don't want to tell people you're a lawyer because you're worried what they might think. Maybe maybe just consider the first impression of introducing yourself as War Dog. Just just think about it. I don't know, it's just worth thinking about. Nah. But in the meantime, put the machete down, take a deep breath, and come back next week for On the Island, Survivor 38, Edge of Extinction. He's Tyler B. Commons. I'm Taylor P. Gaines, signing off. Good bye and good night. Bye. On the island. On the island. island, island, island. You wanna be a survivor if you wanna hear it here on the island. You gotta talk about the show if you wanna live here on the island. Are you gonna survive when you're gonna be a living alive on the island? And you're living a survivor on the island. I'm not good at making these things up. It's funny. <laughs> that is, uh, again.